Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. When women lead, share performance and profits go up 50%. Results are more powerful when everyone is empowered. This is the insight that brought the four founders of Beyond Barriers together. We came from a diverse set of leadership backgrounds with a common goal to close the gender gap at work and expand economic opportunities for everyone. Tune in each week as one of us interviews inspiring guests who share stories and cutting edge strategies that will help you learn what helped them go further faster. Hi, I'm Nikki Barua, your host for this episode. Meet our guest today, Rathi Sahi Lavek, President and Chief Operating Officer at The Real Real. Rathi worked with her co-founder, Julie Wainwright, to grow the business from the ground up all the way to taking the company public in 2019, while fundamentally transforming the retail industry. Rathi's journey is a testament to the resilience. Raised in a hardworking environment, her entrepreneurial spirit was nurtured from a young age as she observed her parents deal with the demands of being small business owners. Rathi faced her own challenges as she strived to reconcile her dual identity as an American and as the child of Indian immigrants. These life experiences gave birth to her tenacity, forcing her to adapt quickly and constantly push the boundaries, whether it was dealing with rejection by investors, learning to level up as a leader in a fast-growing company, or making timely and tough decisions on a daily basis. Tune in and learn from Rati's extraordinary journey of defying the odds and building a thriving business with over 32 million members. In this episode, you will uncover the secret to making effective trade-offs in the face of complex problems and how resilience triggers personal growth and drives success despite challenges. Visit GoBeyondBearers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Rati. Hi, Rathi. Welcome to the show. I'm so, so, so excited to have you. Ever since we did that panel, I've been just waiting for us to do this podcast. So I'm so thrilled to have you here today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I feel like I've known you for a long time. So this is going <laughs> to be fun. Well, uh, you have just such an incredible career journey and so much impact that you've created as a pioneer in the industry and the um, um, the number of people that you have impacted uh, throughout your life and your career. So there's so much to learn from you. And I'm excited for our audience to really take away very actionable strategies mm -hmm. and perspectives. Um, and the one thing I know they'll get out of this episode is a very authentic and fun conversation. So I want to start off at the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, give our audience a sense of what Little Ruffy was like. What was that? you know, forming formative experience for you that kind of shaped you um, into who you become? Yeah. Um, you know, so we were talking about this earlier, but my parents um, are both from India. Well, my dad lived in Pakistan, Indian as well. Um, they had an arranged marriage early on. Mm -hmm. So my mom was 19. My dad was about 10 years, 12 years older. Um, met each other, got married three days later, and that's kind of how you did it. And surprisingly, still together and, you know, very happy, which is, yeah. uh, I still can't understand that. <laughs> it sounds like you have that same situation. Yeah, well. very much. <laughs> They're very committed to each other no matter what. Right. So that's cool. Um, but I would say that we grew up, you know, my parents uh, were entrepreneurs. So I think that was very um, mm. impactful for me. My dad owned a couple of restaurants um, in San Francisco and we lived actually upstairs from the restaurant. So, so very working class, like we couldn't afford private school. 
um, you know, the, and so we kind of, they knew that they didn't want to put me in public school. So we went to Catholic school and, but we're not mm-hmm. Catholic. So that, yeah. you know, also, um, had some impact. And I would say that I was shy. I was introverted. I was shy. Um, I wanted to make my parents happy. I had a brother, um, who was always testing the boundaries and, um, <laughs> actually, you know, unfortunately is not doing great now and um, has gone like a completely different path and is, you know, been on drugs, homeless, you know, a, a lot of different mm. things. And so I think I had to be that balance to mm. him. And so we couldn't have, you know, both of us kind of yeah. <laughs> going rogue on yeah. two Indian parents, as you know. So I think I kind of stayed very, um, middle of the road like I got good grades all the things did you Um, feel like it put a lot of pressure on you subconsciously because I I know as as you know and growing up in an Indian family it was you know academic excellence as an expectation and all of those things uh did you feel like even among siblings like you felt like you were carrying more of that weight you know, I, maybe, maybe, you know, if I think back now, maybe that's what was happening. I don't think that's what I was feeling at the time. I think I was, um, just trying to kind of hold it all together. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, it didn't, it didn't bother me, right. To mm-hmm. kind of work hard. Okay. I do feel like I felt like I never felt like I fit in. I don't know. I'd love to hear mm-hmm. how you felt about yeah. that, but, you know, coming, um, from immigrant parents, you mm-hmm. know, and being in a different world. And we went to school, you know, we were in San Francisco, but we also were like near Vallejo and Pinole, mm-hmm. my parents bought yeah. a house there. And I was the only person that wasn't, uh, you know, white. And so I remember mm-hmm. looking in the mirror at like five years old with other girls and saying, why is my skin this color versus this color? And, wow. um, and I think that's when I first realized, you know, I didn't quite fit in. And you, you know, and I'd love to hear about your experience, but I, I didn't quite fit in with the Indian group and families yeah. and I didn't quite fit in with the Americans. And I think that that did build resilience, uh, you know, yeah. now that I think back at it, cause you're just, you don't have, where's your group, you know, who are your yeah. people? And yeah. I don't know if I quite, um, felt that early on. Yeah. I, I can completely relate to that because um, I realized that I felt like I was on the outside of every inner circle. Mm. So there was an inner circle of the, you know, very like analytical types. And I was also very creative, but I wasn't sporty or like, you know, being an immigrant or uh, being gay. There were so many different things, but never fully fitting into one. Personally, I found that ultimately where I found that our sense of belonging was with founders and entrepreneurs, mm. you know, the, the rebels and the dreamers and the builders. Um, yeah. But it's, I think it creates an incredible amount of uh, resilience and adaptability, like your ability to just go into different situations and find common ground. Yeah. And um, you have to be able to read the room. I think that yeah. there's an EQ piece to yeah. the bills that maybe you wouldn't have to, right? If you yeah. fit in everywhere you go, for sure. Yeah. Super so was there an early career aspiration uh, or sense of clarity around like seeing entrepreneurial parents working really hard and all of that to like, what what do I grow up to be? Yeah, well, definitely not where I am now. Like I did was yeah. not thinking, hey, I want to run a company and yeah. you know, start something. Um 
But I think it was in my DNA, again, is thinking back that my dad had me working at the restaurant when I was nine years old, like I was at the cash register, giving money back to all the customers. And I I loved doing it. Um, And hard work, they they did instill, you know, that work ethic in me. Mm. And I like to work, like I enjoy it. It gives me energy. It's fun. Um, So I think all of that uh, came to, but I saw myself as a creative type. I never saw myself Mm. as a business person. Mm -hmm. And that was surprising to me that, um, you know, starting the company with Julie now, like 12 years ago, I had my own fashion store and I was making clothes and shopping (laughs) Goodwill and reselling it on, you know, at a brick and mortar store. And, um, you know, loved emerging brands, loved fabric. You know, I think that comes from like all the beautiful languages yeah. and saris my yeah. mom was wearing. And we'd go, you know, to these Indian stores every weekend. And, you yeah. know, she'd, we'd always, she'd always have some event to go to. So yeah. I think that that's where that kind of love came from. Um, but I thought I was going to be in that direction. Um, I took a design, mm-hmm. a fashion design class in Italy in college and, um, but yeah, so then starting with Julie about 12 years ago and starting the company, um, I realized that there is a operations component and a process component mm-hmm. and a data component. And that came really naturally, which I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting and also gives me a lot of energy and um, love yeah. to do. One of the things that we talk about here is like, be curious, lead with data and how, you know, how do you have those conversations? Um, mm-hmm. so as we've scaled, you know, going from, um, you know, 10 employees when we first started, maybe even less like five employees to now we have mm-hmm. about, um, oh, I'd say almost 4,000 people. Um, it's, you know, those skills, you can see how they can kind of expand, but to the core, yeah. it's like, I, I do think it comes from that, um, wanting to, um, you know, work hard, uh, you know, and, uh, there is like a passion and love for mm-hmm. just that, you know, as simple as that yeah. and that discipline yeah. that comes with all of it. Yeah. I, I want to dig into something you just said about the parts of what you do that gives you energy. And, um, you know, one of the questions we often hear for, from, you know, the women we work with at Beyond Barriers is, you know, this is my role. This is the title, if you will, or this is the industry I'm in, but I'm still trying to figure out what I'm really great at. What's my superpower, right? And, and um, you know, like, I love gardening. What has that got to do with a hedge fund, right? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And not knowing quite how to um, articulate what gives them that energy, what is truly that unique um, value proposition that not only helps them really uh, advance in their careers, but create value for the organizations that they work with as well. How might you give advice? Like, what is a way that you found helpful to say, you know, this is the thing that is a way to spot that? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think it's surrounding yourself around the right people. And I don't, Mm. they don't have to be a mentor. They don't have to be, um, you know, someone that has way more experience than you. It's someone that you can be vulnerable with and like have some Mm. of these conversations with to kind of figure it out. Like, I think it takes Mm. time. And I think sometimes you have to go on that journey and like, you know, it's like talking to you, Nikki, just, you know, over the next 
hour and, you know, sharing those stories kind of mm. helps you get more clarity into yeah. what those things are. And so I just, sometimes yeah. I, it's just time and it's being yeah. able to have those connections with people. I do think like, you know, I hope that people have bosses who are giving them feedback because I think yeah. that does help. And I think sometimes we get scared of those direct conversations. Mm -hmm. But um, how do you, and, you know, I, I like to do that for my team as well. Like, how do you give them that kind of power and empowerment mm -hmm. to understand what they're good at and what they're, um, what the, maybe is a little more challenging so that they can hire around them. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's really important to be able to have those kind of relationships so you can talk mm -hmm. through it and learn. Like, you know, it's like, Nikki, what are you good at? What are you not yeah. good at? How did you realize that? And just yeah. asking those questions and being honest and open. I think that's, for me, like that's the, that's the biggest thing. It's like, how are you honest with yourself? And yeah. I think sometimes that can be hard and sometimes yeah. it takes like space and time to really be able to be honest with yourself. I don't, I don't know if you find that. Completely. Uh, Cause I think the as assumption we may make in being honest with ourselves is that it has some negative conclusions and it doesn't have to be that way. It's like, if you're honest with yourself and say, Hey, I really don't enjoy this. or I suck at it. Right. Doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It could simply mean that you discover where not to put your energy so you can double down on your strengths and that will create more momentum in your career than keep trying to improve your weaknesses. Yep. Yep. For sure. Yeah. I know. And that's what, I mean, you know this, this is what executives do all day. They build teams around their weaknesses. Yeah. <laughs> that that's, you know, all it is. It's like, I'm not an expert performance marketer, so I better hire a damn good one, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, when you, you know, at the start of the company and kind of discovering the opportunity, um, uh, entrepreneurs are always dreamers with the big vision, but the gap between where that begins and the path from there is filled with lots of obstacles. Yeah. Uh, what were um, some defining moments that, uh, or a specific defining moment that for you personally, uh, not for the company, not for the other people, but for you personally was a huge obstacle to face or a fear to face and overcome? Yeah. I mean, so many things like, you know, there's over the last 12 years, every year is so different from the, mm -hmm. from the previous year. Um, at the beginning, like, do we even have a viable business? Like, do, yeah. can, do we have enough money to, mm -hmm. to check to see if this works? And, you know, we went from investor to investor asking money, asking for money. And it's so like, no, nope, 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 nope. And, and, you know, like, what is your background? Like you own some random store in, you know, San Francisco that no one's heard about. Like, why? Yeah would I do that? And what is this yeah. team? And, you know, I don't think, I don't think so. No. <laughs> so yeah. I think like, it's, you know, there's been so many moments like that throughout the time. And even, even now it's like, yeah, we, uh, you know, are two, almost $2 billion company in GMV. Um, you know, we created the space for luxury consignment. Um, you know, we're the leader in the space and you still have people and investors or, um, you know, leadership that's like, like, we don't believe that this can be now profitable. We don't believe you guys can do it. And mm -hmm. 
here's a hundred reasons why. And, you know, just showing them and it's hard not to take that personally. Right. And it's like, well, let me show you why we can or what, what, what I'm doing now to get there. Um, and whatever that is. And I think, so there's so many barriers every single day and every single week. And, you know, I, sometimes I'll even have a team member come and say, we can't grow this much. Like here, let me tell you all the reasons we can't do it. And, or we're never going to partnership. We're never going to partner with Neiman Marcus. Sorry, it's not going to happen. Guess what? It happened, you know, it it happened with Burberry. And so, um, you know, I think that that's the thing is, you know, yeah, you have the vision, but I, sometimes I think it's, you know, it's not rocket science. It's just pushing really hard. (laughs) It's really believing that you can get there knowing when to stop, right? You're not going to hit your head against a wall, but, (laughs) but sometimes it's like, but I'm really going to try for for a bit. (laughs) So does that come from deep conviction uh, and belief, or does it come from just the stubborn tenacity (laughs) and resilience to not give up? You know, because they're two different things. One kind of pulls you forward. The other is, well, I'm, I just don't even know how to stop. Right. Like the sheer moment, you know, like the the force of nature will take me forward. I mean, for you personally, kind of, you know, through all of these years and through this much growth and so, and and particularly the industry you're in is, Mm. you know, has seen some incredibly volatile times and setbacks. Um, So how do you wake up in the morning and say, okay, I've got all of these things. Yeah. coming at me internally yeah. and externally. Yay. Another day. <laughs> what works for you? Yeah. I mean, I think it comes from both to answer your first question as far as, um, you know, it goes back to the vision. Like I, like early on, I could see us have stores. I could mm-hmm. see us have, um, you know, I called them like luxury consignment offices or mailboxes in every single primary market. Like I could actually like in, see it. And mm. I could, I knew what it looked like. I knew what color it was. I knew like the feeling you had when you walked in. And I think mm. it comes from, um, and you know, sometimes you're wrong and it's hard yeah, because yeah. you're like, but I saw I can't it. adjust that picture, <laughs> but it was there. How could the data show that it's wrong? You know, and so yeah. you really do have to pull your like emotion because it, sometimes it can be. And I think when you, you know, when you talk to like founder, um, executives, I do think there is that emotional aspect and sometimes you yeah. have to separate it, right? You really have yeah. to lead with the data because it's a, it is a little bit of, um, it's qualitative and quantitative and it is, you know, intuition and data and when to follow what path yeah. I think, um, is really, you know, sometimes you need the space to, to kind of understand that, right? And then the trust. Yeah. Well, you described it way more eloquently than how I describe it, which is I just call it a rare breed of crazy. But yeah. founders <laughs> It's so true. I know. Yeah. I know. And sometimes my son will do these things. And now my husband's like, hmm, I wonder where that came from. <laughs> really focused on this one problem and this really yeah. one thing. And yeah, yeah, for sure. What if you knew exactly where to focus to go further, faster? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers and the ability to take action and gain unstoppable momentum to deliver results and advance. Take the Beyond Barriers Momentum Metric Quiz to get a personalized report on the five C's, core categories used to measure and accelerate success. 
Visit gobeyondbarriers.com slash quiz to get your report today. One of the things that um, I'm curious about is the impact of pivotal decisions and why it's so important to sometimes just make that decision versus stuck in inertia and indecision, right? Um, I've found that so much of you know, progress and accomplishment in my life was the result, direct result of one singular decision in that mm. point in time. I could have gone to me different direct, but just making that decision, right, wrong, otherwise, just, you know, moved me further. Yeah. Um, do you have a specific way in how you process decisions um, that helps you kind of weigh in, especially if they're high impact decisions with a lot of risk, uh, financial, operational risk, what have yeah. you, um, that has served you well personally? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a bias towards action. Like, I think that's Mm. kind of who I am and how I think about things. Um, I think, you know, how I, I think how I process it is through data. So like we said, it's like, Mm. what is the data saying to you? What is your intuition telling you? What is your team telling you? I think that's super important. Um, Mm -hmm. but you want to make sure it's not analysis paralysis either, Mm -hmm. right? Like sometimes I'll go in and I'll come in with a hunch. And if the data is not saying, that my Mm -hmm. hunch is right. And my, all of my team is saying, this is a bad idea. Then I know I need to recalibrate. Um, Mm -hmm. If I'm going in with that hunch, the data is saying the same thing. My team's saying the same thing, easy. Right. And Mm -hmm. so that's where the recalibration, I think is what you're talking about and kind of pause. And it goes back to like, that's where I, I lean on like my closest confidence. Like these are my direct reports. These are people with lots of experience. And that's where the data um, kind of comes in. And mm-hmm. very rarely, I, you know, my intuition or something I'm seeing is a little bit different. I can't always explain it. And that does happen mm-hmm. sometimes. And that's, again, yeah. where I need to, like, take a second, zoom out, have mm-hmm. those conversations and just be honest, you know, with my team. Yeah. Hey, I can't explain it, but I'm seeing something here. Like, help me triangulate this. How mm-hmm. do we how do we all feel comfortable here? Like, and, you know, I'll push back, like in one of our values is debate, align, commit. And I think when you have that trust around you, you can definitely do that in a really amazing way. It doesn't always work out, you know, perfectly. It's Mm -hmm. a journey. And, you know, sometimes we need to figure it out. And sometimes, um, you know, it can get emotional sometimes because you've got Mm -hmm. a lot of people who are passionate, but we really try to stay kind of in that spirit of, curiosity and Mm. doing the right thing for the business and that, you know, kind of healthy debate and being super transparent. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if I know you're coming from a good place and I'm coming from a good place, we have a much different conversation. Yeah. Well, also listening to different perspectives sounds like you're taking in, you know, the quantitative perspective, but also, you know, the perspective of experts around yourself and also the qualitative and instinctual part uh, to then triangulate around that, which um, w- which also uh, is really important in who you surround yourself with, you know, whether it's your internal executive team or the external kitchen cabinet advisors and friends that you can rely on. Um, what, um, how would you describe sort of the the type of people that you get energy from, you learn from, and you believe makes you better when you surround yourself with them? Yeah, I'm, you know, it's a combination. It depends. I think, 
I don't know about you, but you can kind of feel your energy shift around certain people. Like there's some yeah. things where you're some sometimes you're around people and you feel your energy is being taken from you or you're mm-hmm. kind of low energy and that doesn't mm-hmm. work um, versus um, somebody that gives you energy and, mm-hmm. or not, you know, and you, you just vibe with them. Right. And so yeah. I think just being really mindful of that um, mm-hmm. and then having the converse transparent conversation when it's not working, if it yeah. is with a direct report, I think does help. And those are hard. Those are hard conversations. Yeah. People don't want to have them but I guarantee it always makes things better, you know? So it's not really a certain type of person. It's more just, you know, where are you gaining energy and how is Mm. that kind of shifting it? Because you have, we all have really, you know, um, so such full lives and um, are required to do um, so much, you know, in in Mm. what we're doing every day. So I think that's helped me kind of shift it. And, you know, I'll give you an example, like, um, a few months ago, I was like, ah, not in the best place, kind of down on, you know, things. And I had to kind of recheck it. And I was talking to someone, you know, a, a friend of mine who does give me energy. And I was like, yeah, but then this happened. And then, th- you know, this person did this and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of just in it, you know, and yeah. kind of not in the best space. And, uh, you know, this is when you realize you have a good friend. He said to me, okay, zoom out for a second. Right. And <laughs> tell like think about it from this person's point of view like you're dwelling on this and Mm -hmm. sometimes you just need someone to say that to you you know it but then when you someone that you trust and loves can say that to you um Mm -hmm. it helps right and so I think like not it's easy to go into a session to just complain bitch session to complain about everything right like let's just you know and and sometimes you just want to do that and like I think that's great you need to you need that space Um, but how do you surround yourself with friends that also give you another perspective and help yeah. you somehow? Yeah, yeah, no, and and the more, uh, the higher up we go, and the more visible we become, uh, I've grown to appreciate the value of authentic truth tellers in my life. <laughs> You know, that right. can just yeah. say it like it is unvarnished, uh, the yeah. things that I need to hear, good, bad, otherwise. Yeah. And it's really precious because you can, it's very easy to get lost in an echo chamber of your own bullshit. Yeah. You know, start to believe it. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the group think like, you know, I don't know if you so see dangerous. that. I see that happen oh all the time, yeah. even with highly functional, really smart people. And it's easy to kind of fall into that. Yeah. You know, one of uh, some of the character traits that uh, over the years of business I've found particularly interesting, and I'm curious how you feel about this, was the value of insatiable curiosity. And like when people have that, um, and when that's coupled with humility, right, Mm -hmm. to say, okay, I'm curious about this, or I know this, but I'm willing to be wrong, I'm willing to shed past beliefs and keep an open mind. Um, and the third aspect being like real dedication to your craft, like craftsmanship, yeah. you know, like yeah. those three, like I found across different types of industries and roles and all of that, I found that to be so incredibly, um, tangible in terms of, yeah. you know, attributes. Yeah. I'd love to hear your perspective on this because, you know, that kind of leadership style that you just mentioned sometimes feels like a luxury. And Mm -hmm. it depends on where you are, like in your career, 
in your life um, as a business? Like when we were a startup, yeah. I mean, we had to put up Ikea desks and yeah. we were just trying not to run out of money, you know, and, yeah. Yeah. and pay the bills and pay our rent. And we're like, how are we going to pay next month's rent? And you couldn't quite get there, right? Mm-hmm. Because it was yeah. so reactive and... Yeah. Um, we were so, you know, I was so young, like, you know, yeah. it's just a different perspective. That's not where I was, you know, and that's yeah. not where the company was. And I think now we're a much bigger company. Um, mm-hmm. and now we have, you know, kind of the space and mm-hmm. the luxury to be thinking about those things. And I just think yeah. like, you know, if you, if you can and like, just, you know, don't be so hard on yourself if you're not either. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so how yeah. do you kind of just, it goes back to, I think, to self-awareness, right? Yeah, and exactly. I, I don't know uh, how you felt about, you know, your different stages in your career, or different parts of companies or. Yeah. Well, you know, I feel like it's evolved in thro- sort of uh, three stages in terms of self-awareness, at least. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the first stage was probably just about perspiration. You know, it's just sheer hard work and survival, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, especially as an immigrant, we just survive another day, do whatever it takes to just work hard and you're valued based on your effort and like, you know, how much you grind it out more than other people. Right. Uh, the next stage was really being recognized with performance, either the performance of yourself, the team that you lead or the organization that you lead. Um, I would say more, you know, the last several years, it certainly felt more like it's about perspective that is unique, that mm-hmm. you can truly stand behind, even if you're the only person on the island that believes that, that because that's about conviction, that's about, you know, real belief in something deep that drives yeah. you and purpose. So yeah. it's been interesting to see, like, even self-awareness and identity shifts. Uh, so how is that authentic, authentic, yeah. authenticity, yeah, absolutely. you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, for you, from a um, not just leadership, but even management skills wise, you know, there's a huge difference between like leading a team of 10 people versus an organization of 4,000. And that too, over the course of a decade, right? How has, uh, what helped you develop those skills at that pace? Because that's not an easy transition. Yeah. And at the same time, also shift your own identity of who you are and what you're capable of. Yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm always learning. Like I don't always get it a hundred percent. Right. Um, uh, I think like very clearly I, you know, zooming out for a second and saying, what are, how, or what are 10 ways or even five ways I want to be defined as a leader or as Mm -hmm. a person, or, you know, what is important to me? And I think Mm -hmm. starting there is really important. Uh, uh, And how do you want to see yourself? Like I, I even do, I did a silly thing where when I had kids, I wrote down, what are the top five traits I want them to have? And then, you know, my, my husband and I like talked about it. Like, is this on what's on your page? Is one's what's on, you know, and you do that for your kids, but I don't know if you always do that for yourself. And so yeah. like, what are, what is most important to you? How do you want to be defined? And I, so I think that's number one. And then number two, like, again, you're not going to get it a hundred percent, right? Like I had a meeting yesterday mm. with someone. I didn't love how I showed up. Like I, mm. I had, you know, a moment where something kind of triggered me and I had to kind of take it back and say, why did that trigger me when that person said that thing? And why did it really mm. bother me? Um, but I know I have like this grounding space that I could always go back to. Mm. Um, so I'm still figuring it out. I'm still learning. Um, I do think my thought of leadership has greatly shifted over the years. Like I said, at the beginning, we didn't have the luxury to think about this stuff. Like it was mm. just 
how are you going to pay the bills? How are you going to mm-hmm. pay rent? We're, we're five days late on rent. We may get, you know, kicked out of the space. Yeah. Um, so, and now it's, so at the, at the beginning, I, I would say that it was more about um, like, restricted, serious, tight, mm. um, you know, we used to work really hard to get what you wanted. And, and now it's much more about, um, not taking things personal, having fun. Um, mm. you know, we're still hold ourselves accountable, but giving ourselves yeah. the space, um, because now yeah. you really start to realize, and again, I don't know, we had this conversation earlier, but I don't know if it's about like where we are in our career or age or, yeah. you know, but now I think about it so much differently yeah. you know, than I did. I'm like, yeah, if you need to get to work at 10 o'clock because you need to take that yoga class and you should like go yeah. for it, girl. Like that's like necessary yeah. for you to be feel, you know, um, you know, more mindful at work or focused mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And I do think that I am starting to see that shift happen in a lot of leaders. Yeah. I don't know if you're you have more yeah, of like a broader perspective. Um, so I'd love yeah. to hear if you're seeing that too. Well, we definitely uh, see that more in uh, women leaders and how they've evolved, even though some of them uh, and myself included kind of grew up in this very boiler room culture of like pulling all-nighters and going right. on three hours of sleep and all of that stuff. But right. you evolve and you realize that one is not sustainable nor most productive and healthy, but also... Yeah you know, we're just wired differently to be productive and focused in a different way. And it doesn't have to be uh, sort of the burnout, you know, culture that's um, became all the rage in Silicon Valley and like the bro culture thing is um, I don't subscribe to it. And I think building healthier organizations are more sustainable. So like for you, you know, um, is it, it's more than 50% women, right? In the organization. 70. 70. 70%. So that's a very yeah. high number. Yeah, um, almost 70. Yeah. So what what is something that you would share to, uh, you know, counterparts in other companies where women are a minority in terms of what unique value, what unique things are you seeing or is it is an outcome of the culture? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, so lucky to have um went mostly women here and um i think you know that's what i would say like you know we i think we talked about this a little earlier like i love hiring women because mm-hmm. they are efficient um yeah. they get to the chase really quickly they're super direct they don't take you know we were talking about this like they don't take things personally like i think mm-hmm. we have uh, this idea that women are more sensitive or all mm-hmm. the things that I don't find that at all at the real real. I find that women are um, strong and they need mm-hmm. to get home to be with their family. They need to get home to deal with their aging parents. They need to, they have so much on their plate that yeah. um, they do things quickly. They stay focused and they learn how to stay mm-hmm. focused. Um, and they have the tools. They have much more of the toolkit to Mm -hmm. figure out how that works for them and what that is, you know, like, is it the yoga class twice a week plus, you know, meditation? Is it, I have to leave at five o'clock every day to get home. And then, you know, I, that, and they set those boundaries for, and they're taking control of that. And they Mm -hmm. just find that so empowering and amazing. And they're sitting at the same levels as men are. Um, yeah. And so it's really, it's really cool to watch, I have to say. Yeah. And it's, uh, 
you know, I, I would imagine from uh, an organization where it's, you know, heavily female that also normalizes some of the things that are often sort of dismissed in, you know, male dominant cultures, um, you know, the expectation of like, working 18 hours or you know those kind of things which yeah. uh, does not necessarily you know evidence that that leads to better business outcomes either right no it doesn't i think it's yeah. you know it goes back to the quality not quantity and yeah you know we talk a lot about like what are the top three things what are the top three things and you know i try to stick start most of my meetings that way. I think about it on my drive into work every day. What are the top three things that people need to know? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's the same. Sometimes it's the same all week or for two weeks, three weeks. And that's okay. Like, and it just keeps, and I think, you know, and I'd say that our team and our, especially our leadership team, like know how to do that. um, Because you can't, you know, if you let yourself, there's a hundred different things we can focus on, you know, it's so easy to be distracted um, that that's kind of a, that's like one way that we ground ourselves in each other, I think. What helps you kind of drive that focus? Because so much of focus is not about choosing what to do. It's making the choices of what not to do. Yeah. And it's so tempting because everything feels urgent or important, yeah. you know? Um, how do you build the culture around that? And especially the strategic direction of the company and all the problems to solve, I would imagine this so many big complex problems all at the same time yeah. what has helped you kind of navigate it for the organization and for your team yeah and again this is something that we still we use we refine we keep it keep changes changing it evolves um, based on like where we are as a company and the experience that we have from within um, I think a lot about like our vision and why we started mm. and mm. what's really important to us. And, you know, it's democratizing luxury, it's sustainability, it's building mm. trust, um, it's community. So I'd say those are our overarching vision um, that drives our values every day, mm. right? That's what's important to us. And then you distill that down to priorities and it mm. is you know, um, getting to profitability, being a sustainable company, growing supply. Supply is what we do every day. We care about our sellers. That's how we build trust. Um, you know, it gets to uh, back to the, uh, revenue numbers and being a sustainable company. So not Mm -hmm. only from a climate perspective, but from a PL perspective, it's, uh, client experience. Um, Mm -hmm. how are these customers and, uh, uh, buyers? responding to our service? Where could we do better? Um, and so, the, you know, those are kind of our priorities in the company. Um, mm-hmm. And then we take those kind of OKRs and we distill mm. them down to KPIs and tactics and all the nitty gritty and road mapping and, but just kind of taking it from yeah. those three stages. And then I think of it like a like a triangle and like, you've got your vision, you have your OKRs, and then you've got your employee experience, which kind Mm -hmm. of embodies the vision and Mm -hmm. also back ties back to the OKRs. And how do we really want to invest there? And um, again, you know, like, there's so much more I want to do and so much more that I think about. But I think if you're not making those um, Mm trade-offs, then you're not doing your job. Like if you're not, if you're not staying up at, you know, at night or like dwelling on like, Oh, I really wish we could do this one thing for our seller. Yeah. Then you're not making trade-offs. And so yeah. you kind of, you know, you have to be, it's like, what did you not get done? And, yeah. you know, I think those are important conversations. Yeah. 
I love how you light up talking about process and operating. <laughs> so geeky. So yeah. <laughs> like your eyes lit up with that. I love it. So uh, that's, that goes back to like knowing what you love and what yes. it shows. So that's a good, that's a good visual for anyone who's watching this episode to see like that. If you're not feeling that, you know, yeah. that's, that's the sign. Like that's, you're in your, you're, you're Try in something your else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so um, I want to talk about, you know, professional relationships and the importance of, you know, building community, networks, mentors, peers, um, advisors, and all of that. Um, and I'm curious about your style because we're both introverts, right? Yeah. <laughs> and um, I personally struggled a lot with kind of, you know, uh, I wanted only authentic relationships. I don't like small talk and all of that and finding people I really connected with. And um, how have you navigated that and built effective professional relationships that help you achieve both business and professional goals? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, a lot of what we were talking about earlier, like the energy piece and where you get energy and, um, you know, I'm, I'm like you as well. Like I, the small talk kills me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and it's, you know, and I'm like, let's it shows in my face. Like <laughs> I just like zone out, you know, I don't have the poker face to be I polite. I, well, I love, and that's like, well, why I love kids sometimes because I was, you know, out with my niece and I was like, yeah, it's so cold out. She, she or what did I say? Or, don't you miss your mom or something? She's like, well, why wouldn't I? And she's like, why do you need to know? Like, she just, I was like, just, try, just trying to small talk, girl. Like, <laughs> but um, it is, you know, it, I would say that is uh, always a struggle for me as well. And um, kind of, again, really making sure that I'm surrounded by um, trust. I think that is really important to me too. Mm-hmm. Like I have, um, you know, working through it, but I have a hard time when trust has been broken, you know, like Mm -hmm. how, what does that relationship look like after that? And can you work through it? Um, and what does that, you know, conversation have, or if, um, you know, the intentions I don't feel are coming from the right place. Um, you know, I think because you talked about this, like being immigrant parents, you come from a place where you had to read people. And so EQ is really important. And sometimes I, do have to say, okay, this person, maybe the energy is not quite right, or it's more negative than where, where I want to be right now. And, um, kind of changing that and having that conversation. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes you just have to part ways and sometimes it's, you know, you figure it out and when, when talking through it, which is really great too. But there's a lesson in this for people out there that are introverts that feel like, you know, maybe they will struggle more to develop the right kind of professional networks, advance in their Mm. careers. I think we're both examples of people that are uh, introverted and yet have built incredible, authentic relationships on our own terms and based on values that we care about. Yeah. Because you know, I used to always find it yeah. intimidating to watch like the schmoozy dude that can yeah. like go around, chat up anyone, anywhere. And I was like, I'm definitely not that. I yeah. don't have a shot <laughs> in business. But it's it's actually turned out to not be true because right. if anything, you build more lasting, meaningful friendships, really. Right. Um, with the right, right. kind of people. Right. And maybe, life. yeah, and maybe it's not going to be at the, you know, the conference event, yeah. the, you know, happy hour and that's okay. Yeah. Maybe it's going to be through 
who you work with every day. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. And so those kind of closer p- partnerships. Yeah. I've actually been caught by my team reading a Kindle in a corner of a conference instead of networking. So I would have been there right there with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to the lightning round. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'm going to ask you five questions. Okay. Um, so this gives our audience a feel for some of the personal things uh, about you. So first one, uh, what book has greatly influenced you? Um, gosh, so many. This was a hard one for me. So Sir, I don't know if you read Circe. Did you read that one? Yeah. Methodology? Yeah. And I don't think this is how the author portrays it, but how I had it in my head was that, well, first of all, my son is really into Greek mythology. So that kind of got me into it. Yeah. Um, but I feel like she was like the first female feminist in so many yeah. ways. And so I just really... I loved everything about that book. I thought it was really beautifully written, but just so empowered and how she creates this whole world out of nothing, you know, on this island by herself. So highly recommend it. (laughs) Well, so did you really? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Um, What is your favorite inspiring quote? So it's a little bit of a long one and it's um, from the book. Maybe you should talk to someone. Um, Mm -hmm. And it says, between stimulus and response, there's space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. So I think like that's like, I think it resonates with me right now, especially because we talk about, um, you know, giving yourself kind of the space um, Mm -hmm. to make connection. And, Mm -hmm. um, And sometimes, again, where I am in my life right now, I need to commit to that space in order to mm. kind of drive that. And so how do I empower myself to do that? And I love that. I love that the outcome is growth and freedom. I think mm. it's your, your choice, you know, to create yeah. that space, your choice to make the decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And it's especially in our world with constant stimulation, you know, and we're mm. overstimulated and overconnected and it can often stunt growth and a sense of freedom from that. That's yeah. a powerful quote. Have you read um, Stolen Focus yet? I have not. Mm. And they talk about social and just, you know, where we are as, Mm. um, you know, where we are in our lives and how we, there's so much going on in the world that we have to solve, like whether it's climate change Mm. or anything macro and how we don't even have the focus, like as as a community to to solve these things because we're kind of... Which then you know, leads to inertia place. because there's too much yeah. to do, so you end up doing nothing and, <laughs> yeah. and being stuck, right? So, I, but people are facing that too in their careers, right? Because there's mm-hmm. so much happening all at the same time, so many things to learn that you end up feeling, you know, just stuck in a place. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, that's why trusting your instincts and following your passion and being self-aware is actually such a huge gift. Yeah. Like tuning yep. into that. Yeah. A small thing. Speaking of self-awareness, what is the one word you would use to describe yourself? I would say probably resilient. I had to ask my partner this. I was like, what is the one word you would describe me? And he and I, I wrote down resilient and he also said the same thing. So I think we're I think yeah. <laughs> that's how that's how I would describe me. And I think it goes back to like we talked about like as a child. Yeah you know, teased a lot, had to get through that yeah. starting businesses. I started a business before the real real that failed, um, yeah. get through that, you know, people telling you that you're not the right profile. You're not the right person. You know, it just, 
you just need one yeah. or two people that believe in you sometimes yeah. to kind of give you that confidence early on. Yeah. Um, and that goes like, that can take you, at least for me, that can take me all the way through my life. Like I, you yeah. know, just getting that kind of connection. Um, yeah. So I'd say, I'd say resilience. Love that. Um, what is one change, um, whether it's a habit, a behavior, something that you implemented that made your life better? Um, I think it's the little things like we talked about. It's like sleep. It's, you know, uh, <laughs> I, you know, it goes back to, we, we were joking that, you know, it was a badge of honor when you were younger to only get three hours of sleep and have a cup of coffee and get into work, you know, yeah. hung over or whatever it was. Yeah. And now it's, um, you know, I need eight hours of sleep. So that, that's like yeah, the totally. little things like going on walks, have, finding that space, um, you know, massage. I love getting a good massage, um, yeah. <laughs> exercise, just those, those things that you do as you get older. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, it's crazy how suddenly like eight hours of sleep becomes like the biggest non-negotiable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that all sounds great. Will I be home by 10? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or will I be in bed by yeah, 10? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to be cool about being home by 10 yeah, in yeah. bed. But I, know. I was like, who are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, that's way late. <laughs> I know. I, I was talking to a childhood friend of mine that we, you know, we used to do the whole of like all night partying and all of that. And we're both talking about how like nine o'clock we're falling asleep now. <laughs> so embarrassing. To so, yeah. You're like, I just wanted to finish my book tonight and get my eight hours. hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. All right. So what power song would you want playing as you walk out onto a stage? Mm. I would say anything we talked about this, but anything related to MIA, like I love, I love her. And she was yeah. again, kind of, uh, as you know, when first time I heard her, that was like the time that I kind of was separating from my parents and finding my mm. voice. And I think her being Indian or, you know, uh, I think she's from Sri Lanka, yeah. um, you know, just kind of helped being able kind to of, I, yeah, really, I really related to her and her music and all the things. So, yeah, it, you know, awesome back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has <laughs> been years so ago. fun. Yeah. yeah, I know. We're trying not to like say years <laughs> precisely. We'll just say like somewhere back there. But this was such a fun conversation. And, uh, you know, congratulations on everything you've accomplished because it's inspired so many uh, people out there um, to dream, to believe that they can, to be tenacious and resilient to all the ups and downs. And thank you for your leadership in society yeah. and in business that you continue to open doors and pay it forward and help lift, you know, as you rise. And uh, we're all cheering you on to thank even greater... You you know, successes. Uh, yeah. Thank you for taking time to be on the yeah. show. Well, ditto. ditto to yeah. you. Oh, I mean, like, I was so happy to meet you and you did so much for our team and our leadership team and the leadership yeah. circle that you ran. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know if people know that about you, but yeah. that has, I still get notes um, from people that you worked with on how awesome that, oh, that that's is. so I know you yeah. came through us through Cindy and I'm so glad. Yeah. So glad we made that connection and definitely going to contact you when I'm in New York next. There you go. <laughs> All right. The conversation continues. Thank you so much. Bye, Nikki. Bye. I'll talk to you later. 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend, or share what you've learned on LinkedIn and tag us. We love hearing from our audience. Visit us at gobeyondbarriers.com, where you can subscribe and find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests. Thank you.